Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 36 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Excellent. Footy starts on Thursday night, Jep. What are your thoughts? Oh, just excited. Let's get back to normal life, hey? Um, even though there's no crowds yet, it's, um, it's just it's really good to have footy back, buddy. Uh, the season and what we are looking forward to is evolving and opening up very quickly. Hopefully we can get to crowds for every state in Australia very soon. And let's get the footy going. So what are you most looking forward to, Jep, in round two? Oh, look, my own team, obviously, looking at West Coast and seeing how they're, you know, faring. And it's going to be really interesting to see how, all, from a fantasy point of view, how all sides come back from a, a mini pre-season and, um, you know, where the cohesion is in the team. And, and I think there's going to be a big disparity between the top sides and the bottom sides this season as a result. I think there'll be quite a few upsets for me. One thing that I think might happen is that we can clearly see which teams were the most committed over the 11 to 12 week period. For the listeners, make sure you're following AFL Ratings on Twitter for updates to maintain a strong fantasy game. While your opponents are still trying to work through news and information, you're in here crushing it. If you would like a chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few more at the midway point of the season. This week on episode 36, Jeppa and I will talk about your priorities and players of interest heading into round two. Keep in mind we are recording this podcast late on Tuesday night, June 9. Make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Jep, top five priorities. Off you go with number one. So firstly, Pete, I think we've got to really, and especially this season, nail our on-field rooks. This is definitely a non-negotiable. We've got to make sure we're earning our currency um, and having the points on the board as well. So that's priority one for me. How about number two, Jep? Identifying value, mate. I know, you know, let's mention Petrarca. You're a big fan and you pumped him up in the last few weeks. But identifying value in the Petrarca sort of ilk, again, in different fantasy season. And um, we've got to get the value early. On to number three for you, Jeppa. Look, this is a controversial one. This is, I've titled it Dare to be Different. So, and in that, I don't mean across all 22 players you know you need to have a handful of players that you've identified that um, where ownership is pretty pretty low and you can gain those um you can get those overall ranking gains from from some good um, performances your fourth priority Jeppa? plan ahead i always plan ahead I've, i think you've seen my spreadsheet um and i'm sure a lot of our listeners have spreadsheets but i i look three rounds ahead it, always, it doesn't always work out, but at least you have something to aim to. And number five for you, Jip. Well, for me, I'm actually guilty of this last one. Um, it's captain choice. Don't leave your captain choice to the last 30 minutes. Have it picked before you start your trades. So I've done that this season, and well, some of my notes from last year and the lessons learned was, was that really um, putting more time in the captain choice instead of rushing five minutes before lockout, you know, looking at what Calvin suggested instead of doing my own research. And yes, I trust in Cal, definitely. But um, I, sh- I should back myself and trust what I think as well. My top five priorities are number one, no wasted trades this season. We've only got 17 rounds. 
set up a game plan with the incoming trades beyond the current week. Try and stick to your plan. Number two, maintain financial health of players. The key is to generate a stack of cash. Hit those break-evens hard and don't be afraid to pull the trigger early on trade targets ahead of the crowd. Number three, I guarantee things will change from round one to round two. Team changes, roles, bench rotations, etc. Number four, know where an AFL team is at in terms of list build. We've all seen it before. Multiple role changes by teams quite a way off premiership contention. Therefore, there may be a willingness to move players in and out of roles. Number five, update your knowledge every day on the AFL Ratings Twitter feed. I see so many lack basic information on players that I think should be common knowledge. Don't forget to throw those likes on those tweets. It's very much appreciated. Jep, we'll move on to some players of interest. We sent out a tweet earlier today asking for the listeners what players they would like to be discussed in this podcast. We're going to start off with Lockie Whitfield. He's a hold for me. Round one was against a team that doesn't give up many fantasy points. Your thoughts, Jep? Well, as a non-owner, I'm just, I'm just sitting pretty. So I'm going to wait and see. And um, hopefully he has another couple of mediocre games and I'm going to run that gauntlet. Sam Naismith, we're going to spend a bit of time here for the listeners. For me, you need an exit plan if he's not named for those that have him at R2. He's not a trade-in target now. For those who have missed the news today, last week Sam Naismith was dealing with hamstring tightness. The news broke earlier on Tuesday morning, June 9, later in the afternoon, and that was through John Lomai, the coach. Later in the afternoon, CEO Tom Harley mentioned that Naismith wasn't currently ruled out for this week, and he expected him to play. But there are alarm bells here, Jep. Your thoughts? Yeah, big red flag. So for you, with having him at R3, you're okay. You know, there's there's pretty low risk for you. It's where the, those who got R2. Now, you, we've we've spoke about Gorn's run as, as a ruckman coming up in the next few rounds. If I'm an R2 owner with Naismith there, I'm looking to move him up to, to um, Gorn straight away. That's plan A. Plan B is you take a huge punt um, and and potentially use uh, Darcy Cameron from Collingwood, who looks like he's going to um, play in round two. But again, these are all penciled in. Fortunately, we'll know with the Thursday night game. Um, and then, yeah, is plan C, I suppose, is just leaving him there and running a risk. But guys, honestly, my, my first thought is to push him up to, um, to Gorn, definitely. Jep, one critical area here is we did backtrack over round one and the overall ownership for the top 25. And can you believe it? Naismith was 76% owned by the top 25. So I suspect it's not only the top 25, it's the top 100, it's the top 1,000. Yeah, well, look, I think those that have him at R2 and, and looking to change it, they should feel fortunate that they got three trades this week mm. because um, they can cash in t- on two trades and then upgrade on the third. So, again, um, pr- they're pretty lucky, those that, that have him at R2 and, and will we'll look to move him on. And um, with Gorn's run coming up, I think it's a no-brainer. Okay, Jeb, on to Blake Akers. 
The low ownership and mid-forward DPP status is appealing. He's value, but not a high priority for me, Jep. Yeah, one I'm looking at, and I think the listeners, again, for that bit of point of difference, not everyone's going to jump on Petrarch, uh, Acres, sorry, straight away. Everyone's going to be tending to sort out their Naismith issues. And, um, you know, Petrarca's on the top of the list for many uh, and so on and so forth. So, you know, if Blake Akers comes out with 100 in round two, I'd be pretty happy with that as an owner. On to Mark Pitnett for Carlton. He will claim the number one rock roll until Cruiser returns from injury. He may be an option for those that have Naismith if Naismith, in fact, does not play. So there might be a, just a cheap upgrade there. Not too sure about his scoring ability, though, for me, Jep. Funny you mentioned that, Pete, because who plays Pitnett um, in round two? It's it's Max Gorn. So yep. Max Gorn could have a field day here in round two. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's another reason to uh, bring him in now. On to Darcy Cameron. Obviously, he's been named to play for Collingwood this week. Grundy will do most of the centre bounce work. Jep, there's definite value here at his starting price of 170k and also mid-forward DPP status. Your thoughts? Yeah, so he's filling in for Cox. Cox is the preferred R2, but um, with these injury concerns, Cameron's coming in. So it's it's a short-term sort of option for me. Um, I actually am not an owner, and I won't be looking to bring him in, but... You know, that preseason game where he scored 90-odds does stick out in my mind. Okay, on to Brad Crouch for the Crows. He's currently fit, and it's also a contract year. But my concern is the number of Adelaide players attending centre bounces, which could dilute his scoring ability. Your thoughts there, Jeb? Yeah, I agree 100% with you. And look, typically, Brad Crouch, last year, sure, he had some high score moments, but his ceiling's pretty pretty average so um there's others way ahead of crouch in the in the primo mid list for me back over to collingwood and john noble he found a nice role at the magpies across half back there and will be used out of defense targeting those upfield there's still some value here for me jeb yeah definitely um awkwardly priced one i'm not pursuing but i i wouldn't um push back on anyone that looked to brought him bring him in and um especially if you freed up some cash too. Okay, Jep, Christian Petrarca. I've been high on him for quite a while in the preseason at round one. For me, that midfield usage is super strong. For those that are in denial, they're going to miss out. Your thoughts? Yep, and um, well, I saw your tweet earlier. Um, I think it was yesterday, actually, that about Petrarca and, and the comment from the midfield group. Yep. Um, so, look, it's, it is appealing. Definitely is appealing. I'm not going to shy away from that. He hits all the stat lines, kicks goals, loves a tackle, grabs grabs the pill in a marking contest, um, and then grabs it out of the contested situation too. So he's covering all stat lines. It's just um, how secure is his role, and is he a risk for a, a role change? Yeah. Um, so it's up to it's it's really taking value for it's valuing that risk against bringing him in because if you bring him in like you said earlier there's no wasted trades this season you're bringing him in for for quite a long time so make sure um for the listeners who, who want to trade him in it's it's for the long haul i'm sure <laughs> okay jeb on to joy simkin 
he'll be used in the midfield for the Kangaroos this season and he's still good value. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't deny his good value. I just think he'll be inconsistent. I um, I see him as delivering his owner's inconsistent scores and for that reason, I'm staying away. Okay. On to Dylan Robertson. The role is a concern for me, Jep, if he plays on opposition tools. Long and Clark are the outlet players in the Saints' defence. Your thoughts? Yeah, totally different role. Um, I watched the um, St Kilda game not too long ago, actually, and, um, yeah, there are alarm bells and he's got a high ownership, so it's it's a leg up in round two for those looking to offload him. But for me, the break-even is still achievable. I don't think it's a bad hold, but if you were to exit out of that position, that's okay as well. But at least one more hold for one more week, most of the crowd are going to stay on him. So I don't think you're going to lose that, that much uh, with a hold there for me, Jep. On to Port Adelaide, Connor Rosie. Just his midfield usage could be limited. No doubt he can score. Port Adelaide did play Gold Coast in round one, which obviously they gave up a fair few points. Your thoughts there, Jep? Yeah, I think Rosie's, like Simkin, um, going to be up and down. Definitely going to hit some high scores and, and be worth it at times. But again, for the long haul, not for me. On to the Hawks, James Sicily. He's not the one that screams out value to me, Jep. We can wait and see for me, Jep. Your thoughts? Just, I'm still scarred from last season, buddy. And mm. the season before and maybe even the season before that, I can't remember. But no, not, I'm not doing it this year. Um, not yet anyway. I'll probably get sucked in, but it's it's not a huge loss owning him early, given his history of inconsistency. On to Collingwood, Jeremy Howe. His ownership will definitely spike here. Round one was as optimal as it can get for Howe. Scoring expectation for me, however, should be tempered. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, he, he's a high-risk, high-reward sort of guy, and... Um, Depending on how Collingwood structure up in the back six, you know, we know Imagine played round one and that that freed up how. So we've got to just keep an eye on the team's um, name tomorrow and go from there. Uh, for me, I just don't think we're going to see the scoring anywhere near what we've seen in round one on a consistent basis. Okay, on to the Kangaroos. Aaron Hall has obviously been a big scorer in the past. He's currently fit. Didn't see much of it in round one. For me, it's definitely a wait and see here. Your thoughts? Yeah, same. Um, not a huge fan. Um, and he's got to have to prove himself and not prove himself over a few weeks and not just one week. Okay, on to the Hawks, Jeb. John Segler, and it's pretty much talking about John Segler and Ben McAvoy here. Uh, Segler should remain the number one ruck at the Hawks. McAvoy also likely remains in defence for me, in, at least in the short term. Yeah, look, forward status um, plays plays a little part, but it's just <laughs> I can understand why people picked him, and and now they got the luxury with Naismith and flipping that and 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 um, having options. But yeah, I'm not. I'm only interested in the top two rucks um, and Jacobs. So Segler missed out. On to Geelong, Joel Selwood. The break allowed Selwood and Duncan to catch up on fitness. Stephen is also up for a decent amount of midfield usage when he returns. I don't think the Cats will push Selwood to play a highly contested game all season. And obviously I've been on strong on that in the preseason podcast where they're going to get him ready for finals, and which will probably mean he's going to play on the outside in some games for me, Jep. 
Yeah, and you're spot on. That was a carbon copy of what happened last year, and they'll do it again this year. They need to protect their their quality, and um, Joel Selwood is definitely quality. So that's that will happen again this season, and for that reason, I'm staying away. On to Fremantle and Andrew Brayshaw. I'm concerned about his scoring ability, Jep. The low break even means a decision this week doesn't need to be made, and we can have another look. Your thoughts? Yep. I'm having another look. These ascended bounce attendances were pretty high. Um, we got Mundy and Acres coming in. I know that, and that is a risk. But I've got basically I've got bigger problems. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that Brayshaw shows what he showed in the preseason, and um, you know it's 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 his time to shine for Fremantle. Um, whether it's this week or next, it's it's imminent. So he's hoping. The break-even of just over 60 is very much achievable for Brayshaw, so at least another week hold there for me to see what his scoring ability is like. Okay, back over to the Kangaroos, Ben Cunnington. There is upside in Cunnington with a break-even of just 28, but I don't consider him a top-eight midfielder for me, Jep, and therefore doesn't need to be targeted. Your thoughts? Yeah, completely agree. I'm not going to add much to that, mate. Cunnington hasn't shown um, high ceiling and consistent scores in the past, so no thanks. Onto Gold Coast and Sam Flanders. I'm bullish on Flanders after looking at his under-18 championships, Jep. He's worked hard in the mini off-season and got pretty decent reviews from Suns head coach Stuart Jew. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, look, he's definitely quality um, as a kid, but you've got to remember he's an impact player too, so I don't think he's going to get a, a lot of the pill and his scores are ref- won't be reflective of his starting price of 250-odd thousand. So um, depending on the Rook situation and how dire it is, um, you know, we might be forced our hand here, um, but at the moment I'm not looking towards him. He's going to play a similar role to our next player being discussed here, which is Darcy McPherson. He's going to be spending quite a bit of time across half-forward. That midfield role is just not there now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's pretty clear-cut. Like, I don't mind him as a push-up and a lead-up um, sort of half-forward, like Jack Martin's sort of playing at Carlton. So I think that's his role, and, and that's pretty locked away. So no real true midfield time for Darcy. Yeah, last year, out of necessity, McPherson needed to play midfield. And Stuart Dew is on record this week saying exactly that. So, therefore, that pretty much locks him into that half-forward role. So there's one yeah. there for, for the listeners. Okay, back over to Fremantle, Jeb. Adam Chera. David Mundy is returning. Chera will be rotated through that midfield, no doubt. But his versatility, especially to a move in defence, will likely result in volatile scoring if he is needed down back, Jeb. Yeah, he's that utility player, isn't he? He can play anywhere um, on the flanks or in the ball. So... It's pretty much on on need as Frio um, desire, so I, I can't um, I can't afford to bring him in f- with that risk. And um, you know if Nathan Wilson's coming into the side, we know that, so that could actually push Chera through the midfield a bit more. So yeah. it could work the other way, Pete. Um, it's it's a flip of the coin. Um, I'm not I'm not going to do it. I have thought about it though. Mm. Okay, Jep, we've discussed a few players there. Your final thoughts heading into round two? Yeah, just be organised, really. Um, keep an eye on teams, make make your plans, have have all your scenarios down on a 
spreadsheet or a piece of paper and whatever and because I think we're going to be mildly shocked at the team announcement um, tomorrow and the next day. So, um, yeah, cover your bases and make sure um, it's not a last-minute scramble to um, to trade before lockout. Yeah, for me, stick to your plan. Be sharp about your decision-making. Okay, we're going to take risks in some trades, but early on probably keep it very, very sharp. Okay, Jeppa and I will return next week for episode 37. The podcast schedule for the remainder of the season is for it to land late on Tuesday nights. Jep, that's it for episode 36. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.